Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible class every Sunday morning for those who cannot be with us or be with another congregation of the Lord's Church on Sunday mornings to be in the regular Bible class within the building uh, where that congregation meets. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and check us out in person. Study God's Word with us. Grow spiritually with us and worship God with us on a regular basis at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. 3606 North 108th Street. Our Bible classes begin on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and followed by worship at 10.30. And then each Sunday evening, we come back together for another period of worship at 6 o'clock each Sunday evening. On Wednesday evenings, we kind of set aside our busy schedules and come together to get our spiritual batteries recharged, so to speak, for Wednesday night Bible classes each Wednesday night at 6.30. You're welcome to any and all of these services and Bible classes, and we look forward to seeing you. Now, we know that there are people who are, even in the Omaha area, who cannot physically be with us in person for various reasons. Might be health conditions or physical problems or whatever the case might be. And we know that there are people who listen to our podcasts, and we're thankful to have the ability and the opportunity and the means to be able to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the Internet and by means of these podcasts. And we're thankful that people listen across the country and around the world, literally. And so we know that you're living in other parts of the country, you're living in other parts of the world, well, you're not able to be with us in person. But again, we're thankful that we can reach out to you and other people through these podcasts. And we're teaching God's Word on, on this widespread basis by this means. We encourage you to help others by sharing these studies with them through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. With your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can every day. You may help somebody learn about God, about their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may help somebody turn their life around and get to heaven. What a great blessing for them and also for you. So make that commitment and start sharing with everybody you can. We also encourage you to tell others to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And when they sign up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their smartphone or whatever else they choose, our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons. And they will receive a Monday through Friday radio program, Search the Scriptures, and also and I really think this is a gem, a short, only about a 13-minute Bible study, but it's every day of the week called Today's Bible Class. Seven days a week keeps us in God's Word and thereby keeps us strong or at least growing stronger in our faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So tell everybody you can and encourage them to take advantage of this wonderful opportunity. We're going to get back into our study in the book of Deuteronomy. 
we have been working our way through the what we call the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And we understand that, that Moses basically wrote these five books. And we're looking at the, in, in Genesis, we're looking at the early history of mankind, and then beginning with chapter 12, we see God setting the stage, so to speak, for the development of the nation of Israel through the bloodline of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and through the nation of Israel, through that bloodline, God would send Jesus, his son, our Lord and Savior, into the world in human form. And so we've been working our way through this. So beginning with with chapter 12 of Genesis, we see God developing that bloodline. And then beginning in the book of Exodus, we see the, the, the people of Israel. They've already grown into a mighty number, you know, probably one to three million or so by that time. And they're living in the land of Egypt. And God then sends Moses and his brother Aaron to lead them out of Egypt because that present Pharaoh had become well, he had, he had basically made the Israelites slaves. And so God led them out through Moses, out of Egypt, and to the land that he promised to their forefathers going all the way back to Abraham. Now, Deuteronomy finds the Israelites on the border of that land. They're on the eastern bank of the Jordan River, getting ready to cross over and begin the conquest of that land. And so Moses is, in this particular fifth book of the Pentateuch, he is kind of rehearsing for them their past history, and particularly from Egypt on through the next 40 years where they were wandering, or I call it piddling, around in the wilderness until the adult generations could die off because of their weak faith in God. And so he's really addressing the children who left Egypt way back 40 years ago, and now they have grown up to be the adults, and they're ready with stronger faith to enter that promised land. But Moses is reminding them, so they, they don't forget about mistakes that were made over the last 40 years in well, disobeying God in some cases, but also in just not trusting God, that he would give them the victories. And so that's the book of Deuteronomy, basically. Moses is going back over that history period. In chapter 7 is where we pick up today. When the Lord your God, and Moses is speaking to the people, and so we think about a great gathering and Moses is, is actually, through all of this, preparing them to cross that Jordan River and begin the conquest, begin to take possession of the land that God had promised them hundreds and hundreds of years before. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you and shall conquer them and utterly destroy them, you shall make no covenant with them, nor show show mercy to them. 
nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Now let's stop and think for a moment about what Moses is telling the people of Israel at this time. And this is a principle that applies to us if we're going to walk as true, true followers of God, as Christians today. We are not to allow ourselves to be corrupted by the ways of the world, and that would include by people living around us whom we have, with whom we have associations. Some we might say, okay, those are, those are friends. Others, in some cases, might be family members, work associates, people we have to do business with, and so on. But the warning is, do not let yourself become so engulfed in those relationships to the extent that, that those people who are living in sin influence you to turn away from God and begin living in sin. Now, here's the principle brought forth in New Testament Christianity. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and beginning with verse 16. Well, go back to verse 15. Now, let's go back to verse 14 because that, that really is good. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, the idea of yoking there goes back to the... To the uh, imagery of oxen being yoked together to pull a wagon or a cart, some load. You don't want that yoking to be unequal. You would not put a full-grown, fully mature oxen with a brand newborn oxen because they, they could not pull together. And so here, Paul says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Unbelievers are opposed in their basic lifestyle to your lifestyle because you you follow God. You follow, at least you should be following God. You should be walking with him in faithful obedience. Unbelievers, they're not. They don't believe in God. So don't let yourself be in that in a relationship with, with an unbeliever that wherein they unduly might influence you to not be faithful and dedicated and committed to God. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Now, this would bother a lot of people in our politically correct mentality in our culture today, where they would say, well, you should not be talking about anybody as being unrighteous, or you should not be talking about anybody as, as being uh, evil or wicked. Well, if there, there, there are certainly evil and wicked people out there. And Paul says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship is righteousness with lawlessness. He's not talking about lawlessness from the perspective of 
our civil authority. He's talking about lawlessness from the perspective of God's law for us, spiritual law. And he says, so what, what fellowship do you really have with people who are living in disobedience, in contradiction to God and his teachings? You're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be seasoning salt and a shining light. And you're supposed to be letting people see God and Christ through the righteous light of your life. Going back to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And so be careful with whatever associations you might find yourself in. And some of those you might need to leave. What communion has light with darkness? And the Apostle John goes into great detail contrasting the lifestyle of sinfulness as being darkness to the lifestyle of godliness and faithfulness and dedication and obedience as being light. What accord has Christ with Belial? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? In verse 16, he says, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Who? Those who are walking with God. Christians. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We need to understand that we have a responsibility to live a righteous lifestyle before God if we want to be with God for all of eternity in heaven. We need to understand that we cannot live like the world. And so that's what Moses is bringing out here in Deuteronomy chapter 7. God's going to give you this land. Now, there are a whole bunch of other peoples living in that land who are mightier than you are. But God's going to defeat them before you and give you the possession of that land because he's promised it to you going all the way back to Abraham hundreds and hundreds of years before. But when you enter that land, you stay true to God. You stay faithful to God. You drive those people out or else destroy them. Don't have anything to do with them. They're idol worshipers. And with idolatry goes evil. And so when you destroy them, when you drive them out, and you come upon the places where they worshiped idols, you cut down those idols you destroy those idols. You burn those that are made of wood. Don't have anything to do with them because you can find yourself tempted to start to take part in those practices that go with idolatry. You can find yourself tempted to start worshiping those idols. Don't let that happen. Destroy those idols. Don't give your sons and daughters to those people in marriage, and don't let those people's sons and daughters come into your families in a marital relationship because they're idol worshipers, okay? Let's, let's make it more general. They are evil. They are wicked. They are ungodly. And if you start entering into those personal relationships, and especially the most personal of all, is marriage, they will turn your hearts. 
away from me, God says, away from God and to their idols. Don't let that happen. How do we stand guard against it? We don't enter into those relationships with them. God says either destroy them in battle or drive them out. Don't make marriages with them. Don't enter into relationships with them. And then in verse 6, for again, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Again, the bloodline through which God would send his son, the Savior, into the world. Act like you're a holy people. Don't live in the ways of the world. Be those examples that God wants you to be to those who are not walking with me. And people could be converted. In verse 7, the Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. Well, even though we might say the Israelites, by the time we come to the book of Exodus, we, and Moses ultimately leads them out of Egyptian bondage and into the wilderness and start their trek toward the promised land, they were probably in number somewhere between one and three million or so. But still, compared to a number of other nations, <clears throat> that, would have been a <clears throat> that would have been a small number population-wise. And so Moses is saying, and of course this is coming from God, God did not choose you because you're the greatest of all nations numerically, but he says you're the least of all peoples. But because God loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Lord has brought you out, of, out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the land of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God was working through them. Now, we, we always have to fight against, be aware of, and fight against the temptation to think we can take care of everything ourselves. Whatever we have in life, hey, it's all about us. We, we, we obtained it. We achieved it. We made it. We created it. We accomplished it. We need to remember that God gives us the abilities to do the work that we need to do to be successful in this physical life. We need to remember what James wrote in James chapter 1 and verse 17, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Anything that is truly good in our lives is a blessing from God. So we need to be careful to not get the big head and become haughty and think we're self-sufficient. We need God even to breathe the next breath of oxygen. God, Moses is telling the people, God loves you. And that's why you're here. He has prepared you and is preparing you for an ultimate mission that even they did not understand at that time, I suspect. And that is the Savior would come into the world through their bloodline. In verse 9, Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God. 
There is no other. Those idols, they're just images, statues, carvings, chiselings out of stone. They're not. They're nothing. They're inanimate objects. They are not deity. They are not alive even. They're just objects. They're not gods. The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments, and he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with them who hates him. He will repay them he will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which I command you today to observe them. Stay faithful to God, in other words. Remember what Jesus said three times in John chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In verse 11, Therefore, you shall keep the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which I command you today to observe them. Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep them, do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the promise which he swore to your fathers. Now, this again is something we need to understand. God's promise of continued and ultimate blessings upon Israel was not unconditional. It was always conditioned upon their continued faithfulness and obedience before him. He will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain and your new wine and your oil and increase your cattle and the offspring of your flock in the land which he swore to your fathers to give you. God's going to bless you as long as you stay faithful to God. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. Also, you shall destroy all the peoples whom the Lord your God delivers over to you. Your eyes shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that will be a snare to you. Again, he's repeating. Don't get mixed up in their idol worship. That will be a snare to you. Verse 17. If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Remember? Remember 40 years ago what God did to Pharaoh? How he brought the nation of Egypt to their knees? God can deliver you from all enemies. The great trials which your eyes saw and the signs and the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So shall the Lord your God do all, uh, do to all the peoples of whom you are, are, are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send you, uh, will send the hornet among them until those who are left who hide themselves from you are destroyed. You shall not be terrified of them, for the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you, and the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. 
you will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. And he will deliver their kings into your hands, and you will destroy their name from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. You shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, lest you be snared by it, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Nor shall you bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest it and utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. Well, Moses is being emphatic here in warning the people and instructing them. God's going to give you this land. God's going to defeat those enemies before you. Don't have anything to do with them. And certainly do not have anything to do with their idols. In fact, destroy those idols. Burn them up. Erase their presence from the face of the earth. Don't intermix with those people because they will ultimately bring you away from God. Now, as I said, God's continued blessings upon Israel was always a conditional promise. It was conditioned upon their continued faithfulness to God. Now, there are a lot of people out there who think somehow Israel is still God's chosen people. Only those who have become Christians are still God's chosen people. But if God is warning them through Moses here as they're about to enter the promised land, if you do not stay faithful to me, then you're going to suffer God's judgment upon you, then certainly how should we understand the vast, vast, vast majority of the Israelites of today who reject Jesus Christ as the Savior and God's Son. They're disobedient to God. Now, they can become saved, but only through Christ. But at this point, as they reject the Savior, they have rejected God, basically. God's way. God's instructions and teachings. We need to understand the church is today spiritual Israel, not national Israel. And that's not being mean-spirited. That's staying true to God's word. And we need to learn faithfulness to God and that includes obedience to his teachings, is key to truly walking with him and being his people. We must be baptized into Christ, and thereby we come into Christ. And Christ is the only way to God, John 14 and verse 6. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for giving us the way to be with you for all of eternity. 
in heaven through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, your Son, and help people all over the world open their eyes to this reality and to embrace it, Father, thankfully and eagerly to become Christians and help us to teach these truths all over the world to everybody we can. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.